Good afternoon, everybody. This is Corey Hepler for the Crazy Monkey Inc. podcast, the wonderful creator and writer of The Adventures of Tax Cab Joe and Sexy Zombie Hunters. I'm here alongside with my lovely co-host, Jared Gifford, the so pretty. writer and creator of Darum, Captain of the Stars. Jared, how are you? Doing all right. That's amazing. I know. <laughs> Well, um, I guess we got a lot to cover today. We do have a lot to cover. But I know you like to get this out of the way first, and let's go, already go, go ahead. First, I'd like us to plug our comic books. I mean, first off, just as Corey mentioned, I am the writer-creator of Darum Camp of the Stars. Yes. Um, issues 1 through 3 can be uh, can be found at our website, crazymonkeyinc.com. That's ink with a K. And, uh, you know, uh, digital copies are 150 print copies are 5 um, and, uh, you can also find Corey's book, um, Adventures of Taxi Cab Joe number one there. Um, <coughs> they have, uh, um, also same, same formats, digital or print. Um, and, uh, you know, while you're there, please check out the various amount of books that they have at Crazy Monkey Inc. Um, always something there for somebody, whether it's all ages or adult. Um, there is definitely something that there to suit your fancy, so please check it out and you know tell the uh, tell tell the boss uh, um, Gabriel Olraz Ramirez that we sent you. That's right. Now we've got an amazing creator that we're going to be discussing tonight. Oh yes, he has brought forth so many contributions to the comic community itself that mm -hmm. just naming one title would do him injustice <laughs> i'm talking about the ever amazing and fantastic jim lee oh yes jim lee the jim lee is actually an amazing creator he's done so many different titles worked for so many different companies um you know uh he's he's you know i mean it's just just to name a few just to name a few i mean he did an excellent run on the x-men yes um he did Wildcats over an image. Um, he's done so many different things for DC. I mean, he's done stuff for Batman. He's done stuff for Superman. He's done stuff for the Justice League. Spider-Man. Oh, yeah. Um, actually, uh, that's Todd McFarlane. Oh, that's right. Um, but, uh, but, but, uh, but, no, but, but he still has done very, various different things. Uh, like I said, um, so many different contributions. Um, he also was the one that created Wildstorm Studios, which... Um, worked at an image for a while, but then was bought up by DC. This is true. Um, and, uh, and, and, and he's also co-publisher over at DC alongside Dan DiDio. Um, Jim Lee is actually in charge of the art department there. Now, when you think of Jim Lee, what's mm -hmm. the first thing that comes to mind? Well, to tell you the truth, it just goes, it harkens back to the first comic I ever read from him. When I think Jim Lee, I think that that run of X Men that he did with Chris Claremont, mm -hmm. and um, I, I was think when I was thinking of Jim Lee, I was thinking of that because that's the first comic of his I ever read. Um, you know, uh, eventually other things come flooding back to me, but the very first thing is always that X Men run because that was the first thing I ever read of his. Right, because that's that's what he was that's what he was doing when we first got into comics. Oh yeah, uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, another contributing person, Derek Gifford, is joining us. So um, yeah, so basically when we first got into comics, um, 
it, it was when Jim Lee was um, was was doing X Men. Yeah, exactly, and that's Back why the, that's uh, why that's why you yeah. usually think of that run whenever we mention his name. Yeah. <laughs> um, but as I said, but then he also contributed so many other different things. I mean, like like I said, like he did Wildcats when he was over at Image, and then I mean, I guess has still integrated some of those Wildcats characters into the DC universe. Now, when someone picks up a Jim Lee comic, mm -hmm. what kind of innovative and different and interesting things are they going to be looking for and that's going to pop out to them? Well, there's a lot of dynamic poses, just like many of the image creators. Um, you're going to get, uh, with, with Jim Lee, and this was a lot of things what a lot of the creators said, with Jim Lee you get a lot more of the detail. Um, J uh, the, the, it's so funny. It's like I remember because um, Rob Liefeld made this comment, and so did uh, Todd McFarlane. Was they said that uh, was that the guys over at Marvel would always tell them, "All right, you guys are good, but Jim draws correct." <laughs> Ouch. Um, but no, no. But that was a high compliment, just because of the fact that um, Jim Lee. It was like it was just like the man was made to draw comics. Uh, it was like it was like with the other creators, they were good, but there were still some flaws you could see. Jim Lee, you were very hard pressed to see the flaws. You know, it was like Jim Lee. It was like every panel was just gorgeous to look at. Well, again, because you gotta remember, a lot of it has to do with his with his art background. I mean, he was he was taught how to draw autonomously correct. Yeah, well, because he uh, he actually said he'd been drawing since he was a little kid. Um, he 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 uh, you know he said he 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 would uh, he tr train himself to do that. In fact, he said, bef uh, his his father had actually wanted him to train as a doctor because his father was a doctor and wanted to follow in his footsteps. But um, he said that he had kind of given himself this deadline to get into comics. So one of the things he would do when he was younger was he would wake up, roll out of bed, and just start drawing comics all day long. Um, and until he said, you know, at first a lot of the stuff he did was very crude and bad, but he said just every day there would be progress. He'd get better and better and better and better every time he did it. And you think of Jim Lee as not only one of the ones that had helped Mm -hmm. found image mm -hmm. however you look at how he draws and how he makes the characters have this surreal type look to them mm -hmm. and how every character that he draws like you said has these dynamic poses that yeah when even if they're just talking to each other you can tell that the characters are very engaging oh exactly um if anybody encapsulates modern comics um, that's Jim Lee. Yeah. You know, you look at Jim Lee and you think comic books. I mean, he's got the, what I consider to be the quintessential comic book look to his characters. Mm -hmm. Well, and again, like I said, because he, he doesn't draw, he doesn't, he doesn't draw static posing. Um, you know, yeah, he's, there's well, he's, always, like, he always draws, like, you know, even if, even if characters are having a, just a typical conversation, he draws gestures, he draws, you know, um, he, it's not a static pose. It's like uh, some artists mm -hmm. have an issue that with, you know, when, when when you have just two characters just having a conversation, you know, and you're creating plot point when mm -hmm. there's nothing really going on, mm -hmm. well, the characters are just standing there. There's like just a complete static. Yeah. It, um, Jim Lee always made you feel like something was going on. Even if they were just having a conversation, it felt like, you know, you needed to be engaged because it felt like something intense was going on. 
Now, one well, thing not I really will... intense, but the fact is, is he, he because it's like, like I said, when, when people, when well, people or talk, important, I guess I should say important. You well, felt like something important was always yeah, going on. But again, but the thing is, is like you said, it's 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 like same thing. You know, when when people, even when people stand there and talk, they they, they hold themselves a certain way. You don't they don't just stand there stiff like they're they're yeah. in the military standing at attention. Yeah, <laughs> you know. A lot of artists have a tendency to to, to do that. Yeah. To um, like you know w w when when you just have a conversation going on, there's no action or nothing going on at this yeah. moment. Well, the characters look look like they're stiff and standing at attention, like they're in the military. And it's like you know you know yeah. unless unless they're mil you know unless it's a military type story and they're supposed to be standing at attention. It's like yeah, it doesn't really work. Yeah. And, and one thing that I'll really give. Jim Lee is the fact that a lot of his comics don't have a lot, if any, profanity in them. Oh, yeah. It, this, you know, I mean, uh, well, Jim Lee, um, he can, he can, I mean, um, he, he can basically sell a book just based on the fact that, you know, the art sells it, the story sells it. The only thing is, if his character's, um, if his character's, like, a swear or curse at all, um, it's mainly just part of the story. Um, there's the an articulation yeah, yeah. behind how he makes his characters. He's, he's not, he's not doing it to make them urban or anything. Yeah. He's, he's just doing it because it's part of the story, but mainly, like I said, cause he doesn't have to, yeah. his art and his stories just sell themselves. Well, again, it, it, it explains how good of an artist that he is for yeah. the fact that he doesn't have to draw, you know, he doesn't have to draw nudity. He doesn't have to draw women with oversized breasts, you know, to, yeah. to try to hide the, to try to, like, um, not, not nothing to get other artists. I mean, it's like, you know, some artists prefer to draw that way, but some people, some, some artists will actually... They overemphasize parts. They overemphasize parts on purpose to to keep your eyes off what they consider you know the flaws of their oh yeah um, you know and, and I won't I won't name any names but uh, I do know some people who have a tendency to uh, to to draw very good looking upper bodies tied the fact that they can't do lower bodies once huh. again not naming names again yeah, <laughs> again that's the whole that's the whole thing it's it's the fact is is you know some artists end up using that in order to um, to hide the fact that there there's parts of the anatomy that they're not good at. Yeah. Now, um, but see, Jim Lee never had to do that. Yeah. That's oh yeah, why because he didn't he, have to, that's well, because he, he didn't have to over over sexualize yeah. the women. He didn't have to over buff the men. You know, he you know he didn't he didn't have to do because he, he could draw each character proportionally correct. Yeah. His now. Um, when I think of Jim Lee and I think of what he did for mm -hmm. the comic industry as a whole, he brought characters uh, more to life than I can think of any other creator at the time. Because mm -hmm. if you'll look at the X-Men run that he did, mm -hmm. there were a lot of X-Men creators and there were a lot of X-Men mm -hmm. artists who would draw them, mm -hmm. but they were so stiff and they were so rigid that there wasn't any life in these characters. And if you look at how Jim Lee decided to make them move and make them feel more human-like so that when you read the comic, it was like, wow, I'm, I'm reading like an actual human being is okay. popping off the pages. Again. It made it more real for you. Well, well like, I, again, again, like I said, when, when, when he would draw... Would, 
I would have to say um, what you would consider aesthetic pose for Jim Lee, which, yeah. is, which is still more dynamic than how um, other artists do it. But the fact is, is that you know people, people you know, it's the, it's the way. It's like people, the way that people hold their body. It's like they're not stiff. They're not standing at attention. It's like you know the the body just like flows and and moves and you know. You know, when someone's talking, their their hand, they're you know, they're, they're doing gestures and hand stuff. Hand gestures, mm -hmm. and you know, but their their mm -hmm. body is sitting relaxed, like 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 a, a normal body would. Yeah. So where whatever whatever scene. Have, yeah, where some people have a tendency to, unfortunately, in the in the in the static poses, have a tendency to make the characters look too stiff. Nobody sits that stiff. Nobody stands that stiff. And what's interesting that I really actually enjoy about Jim Lee's art is the facial expressions he'll give mm -hmm. his characters for when they're excited, when they're angry, when they're upset. You can mm -hmm. tell that yeah. that character's feeling that emotion just yeah. from the facial structure and how yeah. he decides to draw the characters. You can tell clearly... Yeah. That that character you is feeling even, that the, emotion. That's the you you don't even need the dialogue to see what emotion the person is feeling. He's, yeah. That's what shows what a good artist he is. You can just look at the picture and know exactly what the person. You can tell that person's sad if they're angry, if they're frustrated, you know, if he, they're if they're scared. Yeah. He's just he knows how to make the characters emote. He could draw a frustrated Shrek with yeah. no dialogue, and you'd know that Shrek was frustrated. frustrated. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's what I said. Yeah, just just as Derek pointed out, just as you pointed out, the whole thing is is that um, he didn't. You, you know, he, that showed you what a good artist he was. Was because he knew how to bring that emotion out in the characters. You know, so many other people like they'll draw a character, and then yeah, you'll notice that they might be feeling some kind of intense emotion, but then sometimes they'll have to throw out some dialogue. To basically say, oh, this character's angry, or this character's sad, or you know, something like that. But uh, Jim Lee never had that. I mean, the whole thing is, is now. Granted, I love the dialogue and these things, so I'm glad that he's worked with great art, uh, that he's worked with great writers, yeah, over the years. But um, but Jim Lee's such a garage. I can t tell you this: he could probably draw an entire comic book just full of empty panels mm -hmm. that all they had was just the character emoting and they weren't saying anything and you know exactly what the story was about there actually was um a comic from the x-men that he'd drawn where there was very little dialogue and the characters alone told the story and it mm -hmm. was like this guy's freaking awesome oh yeah exactly so, so yeah, it shows you exactly how 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 great an art artist he was, uh, or it is still is, still is. I mean, and uh, as I said, I mean nowadays he's all you know. I mean, not only does I mean, in, I mean, in between the the comic projects he has to draw, he's also the co-publisher over, over at DC. And he's in charge of the art department there. So here's the whole thing. Regardless of whether you like the stories over at DC or not, the whole thing is you got to admit with Jim Lee. Um, helming the art department there, DC's comics always look badass. And I gotta give it to Jim Lee because even Stan Lee gave him always high marks about how he did things mm -hmm. because even though they were from different companies, yeah, Stan Lee always gave him really high credit because he knew that Jim Lee knew what he was doing. So every yeah. time they got together to at a convention or like got mm -hmm. together to meet or something like that. Yeah. Stanley had nothing but 
you know, great things to say about him because he knew it was a fantastic oh, yeah. creator. And one well, once again, it's kind of like back what we had said when we were talking about Stanley in the tribute yeah. episode. Um, the thing was, Stanley still knew new talent, even if it was at another company. Yeah. He knew talent. And that was the whole thing. Even though Jim Lee worked for DC as opposed to Marvel, I mean, in, in well, but then he also knew Jim Lee from his Marvel days. Exactly. Because when Jim Lee was at Marvel, he also had, he also had, had met Stanley, talked with him. And in fact, they actually did an instructional um, how to draw video together. Yes, they did. Um, and so did many of the other image creators. So so he uh, so he'd also known Jim Lee previously to Jim to Jim working over at DC. And when um, your and when your history in comics precedes even the company that you work for, yeah, that's when you know you're valued not only in the comic industry but also by the readers as well mm -hmm. because they can see the mass influence you have across the board. Well, exactly, and the, well, and, and just something. Well, only one statistic I have to throw out there to tell to show you how good uh, Jim uh, Jim Lee knows how to sell stuff and how well. How well people love his stuff. X Men number one came out at eight million copies. No other comic or artist has sold that many since then. Yes, exactly. Jim, Jim Lee's <laughs> record in selling comics has not been broken. Nope. It's been it, it's been halfway close, but not close enough. There's some people have come close up. There's some people who have sold in the millions. Because um, mm -hmm. um, the only people who came close was Todd McFarlane and Rob Liefeld. Um, Todd McFarlane um, <coughs> sold. <coughs> wow. Um, Todd McFarlane <coughs> sold 2.5 million copies of Spider-Man, or The Amazing Spider-Man. Um, and then the other person who come uh, somewhat close to Jim Lee was Rob Liefeld with X Force. X Force number one sold five million copies. This is true. Yeah. So those are the only two to come close. Nobody else has really touched that number. No, Jim Lee stands alone at selling um, eight million copies of of, of one X Men book. <laughs> See, I would love to have that. Yeah. Happened with Taxi Cab Joe. Oh yeah, but you know, um, I but but also remember the time period this went because because I don't think it can be replicated just for several reasons and it's just my take on it is that nowadays I mean even you know um, the thing is, is and, and it's not that the comic business is in trouble you know it's like so many other people with gloom and doom <clears> yeah. um, but but one thing I do admit is that comics do not. Sell as spectacularly as they did in the early 90s, but there's a reason for that. And a lot of people don't take this into account. There's this history, and we talked about it before. There was a there was a sort of a comic book crash in the 90s. Okay. What happened was you had a boom in the early 90s, and then it crashed in the mid 90s. So you don't uh, feel that comics could have that kind of clout again? Like no, that no, could no, never be no, no, no. Well, no. What I'm saying is, what I'm saying is this. I think that comic books are always going to have an audience, and that comic books are always going to at least sell decently with people. But but selling in the millions, I believe, is done just simply because, if you remember with the history, there was a speculators boom in the early 90s, and a lot of speculators who thought they were going to get rich by buying the number one of certain comic books were buying tons of comics in the early 90s. 
Okay. And then um, come the mid-90s, that, that bubble crashes because they find out, oh, oh my gosh, these comics aren't going to give me money because they're not rare like like things like Action Comics number one is. Um, you know, not taking into account um, that. But what I'm, having is, what I'm saying is the speculators market kind of crashed a bit. Now, I'm not saying... That I want to be clear here. I want to be clear here. I'm not saying you can't be successful in comics because you can, and I'm not saying you can't sell a decent amount of comics because you also can. Mm -hmm. um, I'm just saying that the million seller comics, I think, is is a thing of the past. But but that's not to say you still can't be successful. I mean, even nowadays, uh, you're still you're still actually successful even if you sell a hundred million. Uh, no, sorry, a hundred thousand. Even if you sell a hundred thousand copies. See, and I'm under the <clears throat> impression that we still could get comics that sell into the millions because there could be that one comic that comes out that everybody's I'm open-minded. In. I'm open-minded. I mean, this yeah. whole thing. I mean, there could be. There could be. The term I mean, could sell into the millions and, you know. That'd be amazing, but I'm not I'm not holding but, my breath but, on that but, one. Yeah, <laughs> again, again, I do, I do in, in this aspect, I do have to kind of agree with Jared with the fact that what happened in the reason why comics were selling so big yeah. in the early 90s was the fact that because... There was a speculator's market. Yeah, because what happened was um, all of a sudden... Um, in the in the early '90s, that's when all of a sudden you started having new new t new characters coming out, new True. things coming out. So every so everybody jumped on the bandwagon, thinking like, "Oh well, if I get the number one comic of these brand new characters that are coming out, well, you know, in 20, 30, 30 40 years, this comic book's going to be worth millions." Yeah. It's like, but see, what happened was um, what they didn't take into account, which nowadays people know better. But back then, they didn't take into account the only reason why the Golden Age comics cost so much, and it's not because it's not it's not because there <clears throat> because there's an age attached to them. It's because there's a rarity attached to them. Yeah, there's only so few of them left. Yeah, yes, yeah. because this is the, the the whole yeah because the whole point is is um you know the, it's because uh, they're rare. Yeah. A lot of the the paper run yeah the a lot paper of runs during World War Two. Exactly. Um, made made these things a rare thing. The reason why Action Comics um, number one is is worth millions is because what? what how many are there only left? In there's existence? only seven. There's only there's seven. Seven left in existence. Yeah, seven left yeah. in existence. Seven, seven left in existence. So <clears throat> unless unless you're gonna start, you know, you know, going into people's houses and and destroying their, you know, their <laughs> number ones as well until, until gonna be a dick go, about it. Yeah, you need to go, you need to go in there, burn, burn up those boxes of <laughs> number ones out there. But the thing is, is unless something happens to where the number one that you have is becomes only, rare, becomes only one out of maybe ten. Okay, yeah. it's still never gonna be worth. That. Well, now, now I do have, I do have a speculation on that. Just listen. Oh, no, just listen. You're good. You're good. If there are, and there are some, if there are misprints of comics that are number ones... Yes. I, I just had the, the same revelation. ...that aren't yeah. like the full comic... Yeah. That can be rare, rare. just like yeah. double-stamped pennies back in the 20s and yeah. 30s. Well, well, I, I, I'm, I'm going to reveal the audience. And that's why I told Jared <laughs> that he needs to hold on to his misprints. Of I, yeah. do, I, actually, I actually do. Uh, for, those that, uh, for those that don't know, and uh, I guess you're listening to this <laughs> podcast now, um, 
Hey, uh, you know, I, I actually, uh, you know, I don't know, I don't want to, I don't want to no, invite no. people to break into my house or anything. Okay, okay, we'll just leave it alone anyway. for now, but. But, 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 uh, but I just might have some stuff that might be rare at a certain point in, in time. Yes. That's all I'm so going to say. That, that's my only speculation, is yeah. the rarity of misprints. Yeah. And, um, there's even some comics. Yeah. That yeah. if you look at them close enough, um, how they printed, um, some yeah. images double printed on top of themselves, and yeah. those are rare as well. Exactly. They're from like the 60s and 70s. Yeah. But just like you look at them and you're like, wait a damn minute. There's two of this character. There's only supposed to be one. Yeah. yeah. And those are rare as well. Yeah, yeah. The ones that, the ones that had like, um, it, or yeah, because uh, I do believe like during the 60s and 70s, there, um, there was a time where, they, um, where, where um, I can't remember if it was DC or Marvel, but one of them had a problem with their printer. Yeah. And yeah, and it did it. Everything, every, everybody had kind of like a reddish shadow. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. I believe that was Marvel. Almost, yeah, yeah, yeah. And almost, yeah, almost like like if you looked at it with three D glasses. <laughs> exactly. Almost, almost like the three D, like the like the old three D books when we had it as a kid. Yeah. yeah. You'd wear the uh, you know one side was blue, one side was red. Yeah. Yeah. The th the three D that wasn't really three D. Yeah. So I'm but hoping that that happens with the, ours. No. Yeah. <laughs> so the point is, is, yeah, there are there are some comic book, uh, some old comic books. If you if you yeah. look for them, you'll actually yeah. find that. Yeah. Where they, um, yeah, where where they had that reddish shadow because they yeah. uh, they were having issues with their uh, with their printing press. I was so mm. rad back in the day. Yeah. I remember I remember finding one and I was like, this is kind of fucked up. <laughs> and I was like, wait a minute, this comic's not supposed to look like this. And it looked like a, I looked at a completely another copy of the same comic, and I was like, wait a minute. You know? <laughs> this is supposed to look like this? Now I'm like, oh, that's awesome! <laughs> oh, yeah, well, no, there's, there's several different things, too. I mean, um... You know, uh, there's several different things. Like if, if you happen to catch the misprinter on something before they before they change it, you know, I mean, you know, uh, several different stories about several different covers and whatnot. Yeah. Um, you know, um, and I always have to bring it back to this. <laughs> it's a funny story uh, for those who don't know it. Yeah. But it, but, but it reminds me of because there's there's an there were and and you're lucky if you have these, but. Uh, the uh, goes brings back to the original cover design for the Little Mermaid. <laughs> oh dear God! Oh uh, yes, yes. For those not familiar with this story, <sighs> Jesus, um, I even have this. Yeah, yeah. Um, I still have. For those cover. not familiar with the story, there was there was, uh, uh, and I, I forget the artist's wow. name. I'm gonna have to go and look him up again. But there was an artist who was working at Disney. Anyway, um, basically Disney uh, Disney had basically given him his pink slip, canned his ass, yeah. and uh, and base but basically told him he had to finish the work on the um, Little Mermaid cover before he could leave. Um, so basically, he was essentially working for free, pretty much. Um, um, and then uh, and then and no and then the, pretty much the guy was. So I still love. I still. I, you know, yeah. no, no, before you finish though, I still yeah. have to lo love the fact that. Uh, okay, the thing is, is they should. They should have known better. <laughs> you think yeah. they would have known better? Yeah. Coming to this because you don't fire somebody and then tell them, "Oh, well, you have to finish this before you can leave." Yeah, because you're, you're fired. Because uh, you basically got a disgruntled employee who's gonna do whatever they can to fuck up your project. Needless to say, he was pissed off. Um, so, what he did in retaliation was he 
Um, he the the towers on the original castle for yeah, the Little dicks. Mermaid were dicks. He drew dicks on the castle. And but then, uh, and, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, sorry, you can go ahead and finish oh. that one. And also, if you look in the water, it yes. spells it spells F U F U. Yeah, <laughs> and it's just like. This guy's an ass. <laughs> no, but at the same time, time, you can't blame him. Well, yeah. It's just like... The point is, it's like, okay, look, you know, the thing is, is, you know, I'm a usually I'm usually a pretty forgiving kind of guy, but at the same time, if I was fired and I'm basically told that I had to finish a project for free, I... You know, I may have done the same thing. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's, just, it's it's a point. so let me I mean, put it this way: it's just human. So so uh -huh. you you have, but but still, you guys actually have a rare thing. If you guys actually have that first run of the um of of the Little Mermaid VHS, you're you know you you uh you know you actually got something rare because there was only there was only a few there was really only I think a few hundred or so that were done of that before they retracted them back I, actually, before they actually, called them back well, actually they were well, in the thousands actually yeah yeah there was, no no every various store had one oh, all, so, all like, I know is, is after the first run after the first run every every cover after that had been altered because yes. I know I have I have actually uh, two of them. Yeah, you dirt your penis covers. I, I don't know why I have two of them, <laughs> well, but well, I have again, two of them. Yeah, now, two penis Now, covers. unfortunately, exactly. unfortunately, so, the bad thing that has now come, come from that, though, is now that ever, ever, sadly, ever since that cover came out, now yeah. every, everybody sits there... Looks for hidden messages and did Disney movies now. Yeah, now go to Disney movies just to look for, I mean... Everything after, I mean, everything after the Little Mermaid, because there's there's these rumors, and once again, they're all rumors, and they're and they're and they've been proven not to be false. The whole thing is like there's like there's the scene in Aladdin where basically he's uh, he's talking with the tiger, and then so many people say that he says, "Take off your clothes," yeah. but, the, the, but he never says that. There is, um, if you look on the Tangled yeah. cover. Yeah. Um, I don't know who did it, and I don't know if they're just dumb or they're just looking for something, but they say that her hair yeah. spells out the word sex, and I don't see it. Yeah, oh, no, no, it. you know, if, uh, well, so, it's, it's kind of, if you're <laughs> looking for it, here's the thing, and you, you had you had a yeah, good point, point, Derek, yeah. it's like, if you're looking for it, you'll find it. They say the same thing about Lion King. They say when the lions land on the ground and the dust kicks up, that uh, it spells, spells sex. sex. yeah. And, and the whole and thing it is... doesn't. You know, here's the whole thing. I, I can, and I haven't been able to yeah, see it. I've, I've tried to watch it and, like, pause it at various points. Like, I took, like, 30 minutes to do that, and I'm like, I'm not seeing anything, but my eyes are getting all fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, I'm gonna need glasses. But once again, but, <laughs> but we're not looking for it. Here's the whole thing. But again, if you look... Look, the thing is, is you'll you will see whatever it is you you are you looking want to see exactly. Yeah. It's yeah. perception. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it's 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 yeah. It comes down to perception. It's the fact is, is if yeah. if, if you go to a movie expecting to see flaws, that's all you're gonna see. Yeah, you're not gonna see the brilliance that's the movie. You're just gonna be pick picking apart yeah. everything I mean, that you feel is a flaw. Yeah, you know, mm -hmm. hence hence some of the recent movies um, coming out. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm not going to mention movies because that's going to turn into a whole big discussion. Yeah. But but the point no, is nothing is, in particular. But anyway. But the point is, is every time a new movie comes out based that's that's a continuation or based off an older movie, everybody is going to these movies now expecting to hate it. Well, 
If that's what you're going to see, that's all you're going to see. Exactly. Everything you, you're going to hate about if it. If you're going to see or read something and automatically you have this negative attitude about it, yeah. you're not. You're going to miss the brilliance behind it. Well, what's funny is, uh, is you and I had a similar discussion about uh, about a certain movie, and I won't I won't mention it. But but it's funny is you and I had a similar discussion. You were saying that oh I'm not going to watch this movie because I you know because because you you were saying that you thought oh, it was going to be bad. Oh god. But once again, we won't mention it. We yeah. won't mention it. But. But I had actually said something similar to you, and I, I'd actually say, "Wow, you're being real close-minded about this. You're just going in wanting to hate it." Yeah. <laughs> and but yeah. again, but um, but yeah, but we're getting way off topic now. Yeah. Oh, oh no! But either way, um, but either way, you know, back back to what we we're talking about. But but uh, we're saying one of the things with uh, one of the things with Jim Lee. I mean, you know, there are a few detractors. I mean, I, I've seen them. But for the most part, the big majority of people who, who talk about Jim Lee or have seen Jim Lee have always had something positive to say about his work. You know, he's not one of those guys that's got like a divided fan well, base or anything. If somebody doesn't like him, it's because they're not familiar with his work usually. Well, at the same time, though. But then at the same time, it's like, in a way, in a way I kind of find it that um, sometimes, sometimes it's almost a good thing to have haters. I mean, the only reason I say that uh -huh. is because this is the point. This, this is the point. It, it's, it's like okay, it's like it's like it's like when you when you do YouTube videos. Yeah. Okay. If you have nothing but likes, guess who's watching your videos? Only family and friends. Yeah. Yeah. Now, if you start getting a whole bunch of dislikes on it, mm -hmm. it means more people are watching your are watching you. Yeah. And because that's the whole point. That's the whole point. The whole point is is if everybody lo loves you, you obviously don't have a very big audience. Uh huh. Okay, but the thing is, is that the, so the point. The point is, is like yes, you know. I mean, you know. Granted, it's kind of sad for people out there who just live to hate everything. But exactly. I mean, it's kind of a sad, sad. <laughs> point. Well, no, and it's like, but at the same time, yeah. If you actually have people yeah. who 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 go out of their way to to claim that they don't like you, obviously you got a good size audience. Exactly oh, because no, you even look at take the time to actually well, say they don't like you. Well, yeah, yeah. there's got to be a reason why well, people in, will investigate in that. In a creative world, that means you got a good size audience. I mean, you even look at um, and not to go off topic too much, but yeah. you look at Eminem. How many people hate Eminem, but he sells like crazy? Exactly. Yeah. Like seriously. Well, well, once again, I was like, even, even though his new stuff's nowhere near as good as his old stuff, but hey, yeah. that's, that's another discussion. Well, well, once again, I go back uh -huh. to Jim Lee. I said, well, well, Jim Lee. I said, no, and I'm, I said he has his detractors. He has people who don't like him. Yeah, I know. But exactly. what I'm saying is, is that um, what I've noticed with him more than than that is like I notice more people love him than hate him. Yes, I know. He no. does have his detractors, but no, but, that, yeah. that's, but that's my point. That's my yeah. point. My point is, is you know, you have a good size audience. If you have people who will go out of their way to claim they don't like you, see. Oh, yeah. And what's <laughs> interesting is with with my comic, I would uh, I almost would invite people to not like my comic and to say that they don't like it because that fuels other people to f to buy it and say, okay, what exactly is about this comic that this person doesn't like? Yeah. And that fuels the market. Yeah. Well, again, yeah, because the whole point is, is that the thing is, is that if you, if, 
you know, because, you know, that's the whole thing. If if everybody <clears throat> likes what you're doing, yeah. obviously you don't have a very big audience. No, yeah, exactly. Because basically your audience is down to family members and friends. Yeah, and then uh, maybe a couple other people. And maybe a couple other people out there, but at the same time, if you don't have, if, if everybody loves what you're doing and you don't have anybody out there who doesn't like what it is you're doing, obviously you do not have a good, a big audience. Oh, yeah. And yeah, and you're not pissing off the right people. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, well, but, but that's the whole point. I mean, <laughs> the thing is, the thing is, is people, people need to realize, it's like, this is something I, I realized long time ago. Okay, in real life, you can't please everybody. Yeah. In real life, you're going to find out, at some point in your life, you're going you're gonna to have to figure out, to make one person happy is to piss off another one. <laughs> exactly. Oh uh, yeah. Well, and then uh, and uh, anyway, uh, back to Jim Lee. I was going to talk about like uh, like storylines that uh, that that we've all really liked of Jim Lee's. Um, I know one of my favorites was go I go back to what I said that that first X Men storyline that he did. I thought was like one of his best. I loved it. Still love it today. Actually, have the the trade paperback of it. Mm hmm. Um. <clears throat> um. And you know, that was supposed to be worth. Millions by now, but yeah. Uh, another one that he did, and uh, and I think uh, both of you might be familiar with it. Another one that he did that was really awesome was when he did the artwork for Batman Hush. Yeah, right. <laughs> that was actually a really awesome one as well. Um, and uh, and then another one that I really like. Um, uh, sadly, my. Initial copy got ruined, and I'm gonna have to go back, go back and rebuy the trade paperback. See how you are. I know. It's, <laughs> well, it's just an incident that could have been helped. But uh, but anyway, because he actually reads his books, how dare he? He doesn't uh, just he doesn't just put them in a in a plastic sack and never touch them again. He actually reads them. I know. How dare he? How dare so, how do I read how how do I be a reader? I mean, who the hell does that? I mean, books were for reading. He's such a horrible person. Why would, why would one <laughs> want to read comic. a comic? Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, nobody reads comic books. You you, you buy them just to, to sell them later, right? Exactly. Yeah, sure. You, you, you read them once and then you you know wait for the up market. No, we, we, we all know how well that speculators market did. Exactly. <laughs> Anyways, uh, but no, but another another great story I like uh, going back to that is uh, Superman Unchained. Superman Unchained is another really awesome one, and it's got all of Jim Lee's art in it. Didn't they have the Righteous Brothers in it? Oh, you're not. Oh, Unchained. My bad. I'm nah. so sorry. Oh, wow. Wow, <laughs> dude. Didn't they have the Righteous Brothers in it? Oh, wow. <laughs> Uh, ladies and gentlemen, we, we, we'd like to apologize for the stupidity of one co-host. <laughs> hey, I'm the host. You can kiss my ass. <laughs> uh, he's a jackass, but we love him anyway. Exactly. Yes. That's right. He's he's a lovable jackass, but uh, but anyway, I, but uh, yeah. To me, those are some like iconic ones. But he's also done so many others. But the whole point is, is no matter what comic Jim Lee has done, his art is um, his art is not um, in my in in my opinion. Um, you can't imitate it. You cannot imitate Jim Lee's art. He's 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 uh, well, he, he is a one of a kind. I mean, you can try. Well, oh yeah, anybody can try. <laughs> but the whole point is, is, he's a one of a kind. I have not seen anybody who can replicate Jim Lee's art. 
now. No, but then at the same time, you don't want to replicate someone else's art. Yeah. Because I you want to do your own thing. A, a, yeah. As an artist, I mean, that's the whole thing. I mean, you want to be an artist who... Who has their own voice. Yeah, yeah. Basically, in, in, a, in, a, in, a, in, in a pile of comics, you want your art to be the, the one that everyone recognizes. Yeah, exactly. That's the, well. That's your own stamp on it. Yeah. Uh, the whole thing is, is that uh, you all, you want to. Uh, I mean, yes, you want to be a good. You want to be a good artist, and it's and it's okay to be inspired by people. Right. But you gotta have your own voice in it. Um. You can't. You can't just. You know, copy and paste somebody's art just because then it's not yours. Then then you're just that's you doing your take on somebody else's art. Well, exactly. You know, um, because, 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 no, I've even had people like, like when it comes, when it came to uh, doing some Darum stuff, you know, I even had some people who, who, who would ask me if I wanted them to replicate a certain style, and every single time I've always told them, no, I want your style. You do your take on this, you know, because like, because even when, um, because even when like, because certain people are like, because, uh, because I, I, I got the question from Gaspar when. When he was following Chandra, uh, when he was following after Chandra, because Chandra did the first two books with me, and then Gaspar came into the third one. Then he asked me if he, uh, if I wanted him to, um, like slightly replicate the style that Chandra had done, and I told him no. I want your take on it. I said now, you know, I yeah, I mean, it, you know, you probably want certain <laughs> stuff to look kind of similar yeah, yeah, to sense. how to how Chandra had made it. But what I said is, I want your own stamp on it, and and he did, you know, and and and, I, and I've even said the same thing to even people like like because uh, uh, I've said the same thing similar to Tone Rodriguez who did uh, some of the covers for me. Um, he had asked me if I wanted him to replicate a certain style, and I and I said no, I want your style on these posters. Yeah, basically, if you were if you were the main artist on this story, if you were the main, yeah, 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 exactly, exactly. That's that's exactly how I put it. I told him, if you were the main artist on this, how would you draw it? You know what's actually really interesting? Yeah. I don't mean to break off, but oh, I, no, was actually, I was actually going to ask Tone Rodriguez if he could do the cover for number three of mm. Taxi Cab Joe. That would be awesome. <clears throat> yeah. <clears throat> yeah, but, but yeah, that's exactly Well, true. I think I will. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, you do that. Yeah, you do that. Yeah, you do yeah, that. Yeah, Jackass. Brilliant. <laughs> this is like an amazing idea, Watson. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm sorry. That's, that was sim you know, that's, that's a simple answer to a simple question. It's like, then ask him. <laughs> <laughs> Dumbass. They all like Jimmy. Oh, uh, yes. But uh, but anyway, um, you know, back on track to what we were discussing before. Yeah. Um, the, the whole thing is is that, uh, yes, but he's one of those people that, uh, like I said, he's, like we said, uh, Jim Lee's got his own voice. His, uh, the whole thing is, uh, the whole thing is, and that's what you want to be as an artist. You know, Jim Lee is one of those people that you want to be as an artist. He's got his own individual stamp on things. Right. He puts so, a stamp on his stuff? Not a literal stamp, dumbass. Oh. <laughs> sure does. He usually puts his little signature on it. Yeah, that's, that's a stamp. Oh, hey, that's the artist stamp. That's the artist stamp. Good point. Good point. That's right. And your little <laughs> unique signature at the bottom, there's your stamp. We all know what you meant. <laughs> <laughs> How did you get 
Don't, don't you be jumping on a bandwagon <laughs> that he started. That's right. I'm totally with you, Derek. You and me were thinking alike. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because well, you were totally thinking like tattoos or some shit like that. Yay. Maybe. <laughs> no, no, no. Basically, the direction... The direction he was going is something you'd have to wash your hands after you're done. <laughs> Not that kind of stamp, you losers. <sighs> <sighs> oh, well. So what about a lick and peel stamp? <laughs> <laughs> oh, well. Wow. scratch and sniff? Maybe, uh, if it's at the bottom of a pool. <laughs> <laughs> horrible. It's just, just horrible. Um, <laughs> but anyways, but my point is, is that he's a one-off. He's one of those guys that, 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 you know, that he has made his mark in comics. That, that he's not, that he's not, you know, really, uh, following anyone's footsteps but his own. You know, once again, I said, that doesn't mean he doesn't have influences. Jim Lee has a ton of influences. Yeah. But he's not his influences. He's Jim Lee. Right? Now, um... To go into some uh, Crazy McGink business real quick. Yeah. We got even more pages from uh, Samir Samal just barely for the Cadence Lark is Furious Kickstarter that Brian Gel Glass is bringing out by next year. And they look awesome. They're colored, they're lettered, and they look sexy. Oh, yeah. It's definitely looking awesome. I'm looking forward to it. Um, um, and, and also to add to that, um, Stefano Caricelli, yes, um, has been coming out with pages, uh, more pages for the Romeo and Juliet graphic novel. And they look yeah. awesome too. Yeah. Uh, you just look for it. Romeo and Juliet river of blood. It's going to be awesome. Um, it's sort of a, I guess, what would you, what you call it? Like, um, it's like sort of a semi futuristic take on Romeo and Juliet. Yeah. It's, uh. It's what William Shakespeare would be if it was in the future with a dystopian era type feel to it. Exactly. Uh, so it's still Shakespeare, but it's just got um, a more of a, of, of a futuristic setting. Exactly. Um, and uh, um, so, you know, almost like Shakespeare in the world of Fallout or something. <laughs> That'd be kind of cool. Um, oh, I mean, in my, in my personal opinion, I have to say... Um, the most fictional thing I have ever seen in, you know, movies and comic book stuff is a post-apocalyptic future. Yeah. The only, the reason, and this is the reason why I say that is the, the most fiction out of everything I've seen because throughout history, civilization has fallen apart and has been rebuilt every time. Yeah. Um, You know, because this, this is the whole point. It doesn't matter what happens mm-hmm. to society. Society can completely crumble to even if there's only a few people left. This is exactly what's going to happen, and this is how it's happened throughout history all the time. First generation rebuilds. Second generation approves upon that. By the time you hit the third generation, it is nothing more than a history report that they have to turn in for a grade. Exactly, and the and vicious, wonderful cycle again, continues. Yes, yeah. and again, that's why I consider a post-apocalyptic futures to be the most fiction ever created. But you got to admit, yeah. there are many of them that are actually really fun. Oh, no, they're fun. Like I said, oh, yeah, they fun. are. They're great. They're fun. I just have to say that 
you know, when it comes to fiction, a post-apocalyptic futures are the yeah. most fiction to exist. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Exactly. I mean, they're right yeah. next to fan. In, in my opinion, they're right next to fantasy. Uh huh. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, but but you got to admit, I mean, that's what I'm saying. It's like you know, I mean. Hell, I mean, I, I couldn't see Mad Max in any other scenario than... No, 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 that's what I said. That's, a, that's what I said. <laughs> they're great. Yeah. You know, they're great, they're fun to play with. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, and it's like I said, it's, it, it is. It's just, it's just, I would have to say that when it comes to fictional stories, post-apocalyptic futures are about the most fiction as you can get. Could yeah. you see Mad Max in the Renaissance era? <laughs> Seriously? That'd be just weird as hell. I know. Okay. <laughs> Mad Max with a jousting and <laughs> yeah, why not? Because it's weird. Because <laughs> it's weird. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like you know, <coughs> horse and chariot. <laughs> anyway, um, but to, back to the the some of the, the some of the stuff. But uh, yeah, but no, we've got some great stuff coming up from uh, Crazy Monkey Inc. Um, oh, and uh, Sexy Zombies number one is gonna be out later this month. I will let you guys know. Yep. On the exact date and time, so get looking for that. And also in February, Tax Cab Joe number two is out, exactly. and summer Tax Cab Joe number three. And also, we are looking for either a spring or summer release of Darum number four. Yeah, exactly. Um, so you know we've got many stuff, uh, uh, many many things coming up. Um, so, I mean, uh, that's, I think that pretty much covers it for, um, covers it for, uh, CMI updates. So, um, I say we get to book recommendations, and since we got Derek here, we can give some of his, too. In fact, uh, should we start with him? Why would we want to do that? Yeah. Hey, what's up, Derek? Yeah. yeah. Uh, why would you want to start with that? Seriously. Oh, knock, it, knock it off. Uh, anyway, what, uh, what kind of crap are you trying to sell? Us, just give us some of your... <laughs> I'm a guitar player. I'm not a reader. <laughs> uh -huh. I read yeah. notes, not books. Uh -huh. <laughs> I, read musical, I, read, I read musical pieces. I don't... I don't... Uh, uh, <laughs> uh, don't let this guy fool you. He reads stuff. <laughs> anyway, uh, any, uh, just, uh, you got a novel recommendation and maybe a uh, comic book recommendation? No, no novels right now and then. Uh, Aaron, are you nervous? I'm you playing with the mat. Huh? Oh, no. I, I noticed you keep flipping the mat around. Uh, no, I'm just... <laughs> okay, I didn't know if you were nervous. <laughs> Anywho. Okay. Alright, um, so, uh... Ah, uh, comic book recommendations. No, I kind of blank. Sorry. <laughs> You're good. All right. Well, fine. Okay. Since he's got nothing, since his tank is empty, um, <laughs> I will then recommend something. Yay! <laughs> yes. Um, let's see. In terms of novel recommendations, I'm um, I'm going to recommend. Connecticut, a Connecticut Yankee in King Arthur's Court. It's another awesome sort of uh, medieval tale by uh, by Mark Twain, but in this case, it's basically someone from the someone someone from the 19th century um, finds himself uh, finds himself in the medieval time period, um, 
and uh, you know, kind of another one of those really cool fish out of water stories. Um, kind of similar <coughs> to the Prince and the Popper, but once again, this uh, um, has slightly different <coughs> elements, but it's still a really great read. Yeah. Um, and uh, in terms of comic books, um, you know, I'm going to let's see. I'm going to recommend Invincible from Robert Kirkman. Okay. Um, I like Invincible because it's a different kind of take on the superhero genre. One of the things I like about, and Robert Kirkman's even said this in interviews, one thing I like about the series is that his books zig where his other superhero books zag. So basically, he doesn't like to play with the typical superhero tropes. He likes to basically put a whole new twist on them. And I like that. It's kind of refreshing to see that in the superhero genre because most of the time it's rinse and repeat in those. True. Um, so no, that, so if anything, I mean that that's you know I give that a high recommendation. Please check it out. Um, Invincible is an awesome superhero series. A little pissed that he's ended it, but you know, <laughs> guess I'll get over it. <laughs> anyway, uh, what about you, Corey? Um, book recommendation, I'm gonna have to go with Dracula by Bram Stoker. No, there's a classic. It is a classic. It's classically classic. Yeah, yes. You might say it's a classically classic classic. Of the classic variety. I know. <laughs> I mean, it was getting lame. <laughs> no, people are gonna get sick and tired of this joke. That's okay. Um... Because Bram Stoker brought vampires to life in a way that was eloquent. It was non-aristocratic, which I loved. Because I'm not a big fan of aristocratic vampires that kind of suck. <laughs> no pun intended. Anyway. Um, and he built upon the story of Jonathan Harker going to um, see about Dracula's estate and to, you know, see how much it would be worth if he sold it, stuff like that. And then it intertwines Dracula's love of blood and um, eventually of John, Hark John Harker's fiance Mina. And uh, that's just the whole new twist of amazing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So go check out Bram Stoker's Dracula. I can guarantee you it's an amazing read. If you don't like it, and that's your fault. <laughs> you obviously don't have any taste in classic books. <laughs> well, um, please tell us how you feel. I'm definitely going to tell you how I feel. <laughs> and for I the goal was to build an audience. <laughs> well, they can build upon reading a classic book like Dracula. <laughs> that's where the love of reading comes from. <laughs> anyway, um, for comics. <laughs> I'm going to say, and, I, and I've said this one before, because not only is it an amazing comic, but I'm looking forward to the sixth volume of it, because it's just funny as hell. Rat Queens. Oh, yeah. I can't give any more praise to this one than I already have in previous podcasts. Yeah. It's a group of otherworldly female bounty hunters that go on these crazy, amazing wacky and quirky adventures um it's from, like from palisade where they're from mm. and they just 
the, the, everywhere they go, there's just mayhem and there's just people and goblins and all sorts of weird shit just getting chopped up and everybody dies. It's like fantasy on crack. But pretty much. And <laughs> you got to give it to the creator. Not only does he make it funny, but he also makes it extremely engaging and people die in it. So that's always a good thing when you can see that people die in comics. Because that sells. Because <laughs> death sells. So if people die in the comic, that's you, you, you got to pick it up. Yes, right. No, no, this is what I'm saying. You know, cause, yeah, because, hey, no, no, remember, folks, sex doesn't sell anymore. Death does. Exactly. So if characters are dying in your comic book, that's a sure seller. <laughs> so pick up Taxi Cab Joe. These days, it's the opposite. See, in the 80s, death sell. Yeah. But these days, death doesn't sell anymore. Now it's sex. This I thought, is true. I, I thought sex was selling 10 years ago. Maybe. <laughs> but anyway, that doesn't matter. Um, so, the segue is to buy Taxi Cab Joe. Yes. And buy Darum. Exactly. At www.crazymonkeyinc.com. That's with a K. I-N-K. Yeah, I-N-K. Yes. Um, also, I, I, I'd urge people, please keep checking out this podcast. Please keep sharing it amongst your friends. Uh, tell people about it. Share it on social media. Do whatever you can to get the word out. But, you know, just you, you know, spread the love. You know, tell people about us. Um, tell and, other radio stations to play us if yes, you want. We'd love that, too. Exactly. And Corey will let you know all the places you can find us at. You can find us on Stitcher. You can find us on Spotify. Um, you can find us on Castbox, um, Apple. You can find us on Android as well. And there are a couple others that I can't remember because my brain is fogged. But that's good. And, and then for those, and then and, and then uh, for those who can get it, please get the Anchor app because the Anchor app will have. Every single one of our podcasts on it. And the best part is the Anchor podcast is completely free. Exactly. Um, and because uh, at the moment there's certain gaps in episodes for certain other, um, certain other places. We're working on getting that fixed. But, but you're sure bet for getting every single one of our episodes is having the Anchor app. Exactly. Now, Jared, it was amazing as always having you on. The podcast, you oh, yes. have awesome insights. Derek, thank you again for jumping in and throwing your 90 cents in. Right. It was awesome. It was almost a dollar, but that's okay. <laughs> uh, so you folks have a fantastic weekend, and we'll see you next Saturday. This is Corey Hepler for the Crazy Monkey Inc. podcast with Jared and Derek and the rest of the fantastic crew saying love each other, don't be stupid, and look five times before you cross the street.